0: Our partners, uh, especially in relation to the purchase of the of the great station in Tulsa, channel forty seven. Uh, I want to say that we appreciate your being a partner with us. This will become a great station, and it will become a great blessing. and And you are the foundation stones. Uh, you know the superstructure will be beautiful, of course, but its safety is in the is in the foundation, and you're the foundation of this great ministry uh, that will be released in Tulsa. As I told you, uh, we have a special gift for our partners that uh, that that helped us to move into this this station with the C Broadcasting, and and we are. We're going to create that, uh, that, <clears throat> that entire uh, gift to you uh, right now. I told you that those that gave so liberally to this station that we would give you the little chorus that the Lord gave me recently. I woke at about 2 o'clock in the morning, and uh, a chorus began to flow through me. Now, I am not musical, and, and uh, I don't compose uh, choruses or hymns, and, and, and neither do I sing publicly. But this became so forceful through me until I just wanted to, to share it with you that you might have, uh, you know, a spiritual relationship just, just as I enjoyed. Uh, the entire words of it is relative to, I saw the glory. Here it is. jesus is the glory jesus is the glory of His train filled the temple. His train filled the temple. His train filled the temple of the Lord. His train filled the temple. His train filled the temple. His train filled the temple. temple. saw the glory, I saw the glory, I saw the glory of the Lord. I saw the glory, I saw the glory Did you see the glory? Did you feel the glory? Did you see the glory of the Lord? Did you see the glory? Did you see the glory? Did you see the glory? of the Lord. He's a coming back in glory. He's a coming back in glory. He's a coming back in the glory of the Lord. He's a coming back in glory. He's a coming back in glory. He's coming In the glory of the Lord. Now, we have sung about 20 different ways that little chorus, and uh, people have enjoyed it very much, and I hope that you'll enjoy it as my partner. We have sung it now in a number of countries. The Philippines are singing it very beautifully, and uh, they sing in English, of course, and joyfully they sing it. And one of the places that we, that we heard them sing it was in Japan. And, and we'd like for you to, uh, to hear uh, the, the, the Japanese friends as they sing it. Isn't that that beautiful? And uh, I was in Japan a few days ago, and they were singing it very heartily, and we certainly did appreciate it. Maybe in your community you'll be the first ones to sing it also. And uh, when you see His glory, it makes a difference in your life. It makes a difference in your life. I I just want to say again before I get into the Smith Wigglesworth part of the program here that for all those that gave $1,000, with your permission, we're putting your name on a beautiful memorial plaque uh, in the in the uh, vestibule of the, of the Tulsa uh, operation of the television station, and that uh, we just want the visitors to come from all over the world to know the people that made that beautiful uh, station uh, possible uh, for us to give the gospel of Jesus to so many friends in in that area, and so. We certainly do appreciate it, and the plaque will be ready very soon. We're working on it at the present time. Included with this, with this demonstration uh, of letting uh, you hear the beautiful course that the Lord gave me, I saw His glory, uh, we'd like to tell you my relationship uh, with, with Smith Wigglesworth, the, the, the famous apostle of faith uh, from Bradford, England. My relationship began with him. Uh, when I was 20 years old, and not with my meeting him, but hearing of him. I was in, in San Francisco uh, preaching, and uh, to start my trip around the world, they said, if you met Smith Wigglesworth from England. I said, no, not yet. They said he was here. And, and they, they told me a number of the things that happened, but I will only tell you one that right there in the same church where I was preaching the Great Glad Tidings Tabernacle that at that time seated more than 3,000 people, it says he was here speaking, and on a Sunday afternoon he had a healing service, and, and that, uh, that they brought the people from hospitals and wheelchairs and all kinds of situations for Smith Wigglesworth to pray for them. And from one of the local hospitals, the doctor brought a very severe cancer case, that they didn't want to bring him because he was so near death. The doctor accompanied him and sat by his little little portable hospital bed on the platform. And here came Smith Wigglesworth, who was just a little bit gruff, uh, down the line praying for the people. And the way he would ask you what was wrong with you, he'd say, Hutzup. Now, in his part of England, that was a similar way to their speaking. Hutzup means uh, what ails you, or, or what, what is wrong with you? And so he got to this patient that was laying out on a bed uh, there, and, and, and had on one of the little hospital gowns, you know, that has no buttons, in, uh, buttons up in the back. There was a doctor sitting there uh, with his uh, stethikops in his ears and listening to the man's heartbeat and, 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 and letting everybody know that he was, the man was very near death. And so when Smith was going, and said, what's up? The doctor replied and said he is dying of cancer. Wigglesworth said, where is it? And the, the doctor said, in his stomach. And, and Smith Wigglesworth, possibly the most unusual person that I've ever met in my life, he wound up his hand and hit him where the cancer was in the stomach. Punched him so hard until the man died. Just like just his hands fell uh, off, off the bed and, and the doctor screamed, he's dead, he's dead. And he looked up and said, you killed him. You killed him. The family will sue you. You killed him. Smith Wigglesworth wasn't upset one bit. He said, he's healed. And that's the way he would say, you are healed. He says, he's healed. He, He didn't, you know, he didn't pronounce H's. He said, he's healed. And he didn't stop, you know. He just went on down the line praying. About 10 minutes later down the line, here came the man walking. He'd gotten up off that bed. he had moved the doctor to one side, and he was walking in that, in that funny little hospital dress, you know, that comes along here like this and is open in the back. And, and here he was following Smith Wigglesworth with his hands in his, uh, uh, up in the air, praising God. He said, I have no pain. I feel wonderful inside. I have energy that I had not had for I don't know how long. And he was following him. And and Smith Wigglesworth is so unusual. He didn't turn around and say, well, thank God. Oh, praise God. Everybody look at it. To him, it was such a usual thing. He said, well, just thank God for it. And he just went on praying for people. (coughs) Now, that was the first time I'd heard of Smith Wigglesworth. And inside of me, I said, say Someday, I want to meet him. Well, I got on a boat there in San Francisco and went out to New Zealand and into Australia. And I hadn't been in Australia but just two or three days until the, 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 the pastor in Sydney said, have you ever met Smith Wigglesworth? And I said, no, but I'm hearing some things about him. He said he was here in this city. Uh, we had the town hall, the biggest auditorium in the city, and here he was preaching away. Thousands were getting saved. Many were getting healed. We were having a great time. and But said he did so many unusual things. I said, such as what? Well, he said on Sunday, I, I-, I took him out to the f- finest hotel restaurant in the city. In those days, the finest of the restaurants were located in hotels. And he said there in this dining room with two or three hundred people or more, uh, they were all eating their Sunday dinner all dressed very prim and proper, that Smith Wigglesworth came in with the pastor, and uh, he himself was a very dignified looking man. He looked over at the people, and, and kind of shook his head a little bit to them like this, and then before they could bring the food, he, uh, he took his glass and, and took his pencil and, and knocked on it. Well. You know, a glass of water, how it sounds. He got the attention of the whole dining room. And he spoke up with a loud voice and said, I have observed, since being here, that you have not prayed over your food. He says, that's the way hogs eat. They don't pray over their food. So I will pray for you. And the pastor said, he was a younger man, he said, my face was as red as blood and said, I just sat there humiliated, you know. And here this man stood up with a loud voice. He asked God to bless and to love all these people, to sanctify the food to their bodies, and to give them strength from the food that they might serve God. Then he said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, and sat down. He said, the thing that amazed me was he led two families to Christ before we left the dining room. Well, I, I said, well, in San Francisco, he hit people and made them die, but they came back to life again. And now, and now here, he, he, he calls a whole dining room to order and prays over everybody's food at the same time and then wins two families to Christ. I said, very interesting man. He said, well, I'd like to tell you something more than that. And he said, now, you won't ever forget this. Here, this auditorium downtown was full packed and jammed full of people. (laughs) And his daughter that was with him as his traveling companion and to take care of him uh, was stone deaf, and he couldn't get her healed. Uh, She she was deaf. And in those days, the, the batteries for those things were about that long and about that deep and weighed several pounds, you know. They didn't have the sophisticated ones like they do to death today. And so Alice, after the preliminaries, went to sit on the front seat. And for a few moments, she did not plug her, her, her ear sounds in, uh, her earphones. And so she couldn't hear what her father was saying. She was just looking at him. And, and he up there on the platform wore those little nose glasses that hooked onto a chain, and he had to pull them out from his coat. And so he got up before that vast group of people and and said, uh, men and women, my my text is, huh. My my text is, huh. He couldn't get the chain out. And he couldn't get the little nose glasses on so he could read. And so he said, my text is, huh, Alice. My, My text is, huh, Alice. And he said, thousands of people began to laugh roar with laughter, because he was a faith preacher that couldn't read, and his daughter (coughs) was his assistant, and she couldn't hear. And they were laughing at Smith Wigglesworth. Finally, the daughter uh, put on the earphones, and she heard her her, her father saying, Alice. So she went back to the platform, released his glasses, and put them on. And when he put them on and looked at the people. He was a very forceful man. Uh, one of the Australians stood up and said, Hey, Wigglesworth, if you've got so much faith, why is it your blind and can't see, and why why is it your your daughter here is deaf and can't hear? And he thought he had, you know, and I know the old man, he would be 80 years old at that time, thought they had him stymied. But he wouldn't even answer people. He looked at him and said, Tell me why Elisha was boldheaded, headed and I'll answer you. And the people burst into thunderous laughter again to think that in a half a second's time he could come up with something of that nature. And he he went along, he went along preaching. As you know, I I had my eyes looked at uh, just a few days ago, and I still have beautiful eyesight at, at, at my age. And all I have here are magnifying glasses, just like I have wrinkles in the face. My eyes also have age related to them in that I I wear glasses just for for magnifying. And it was real interesting. I was past 40, and somebody shrunk the telephone book. And I went down to the local uh, optometrist, and I said, Sir, the telephone book is not like it was. You know, I could read it perfectly, and now it's blurred. So somebody shrunk it. No, he said, How old are you? And I told him I was 42 or 3. No, he says, when you get that old, you're at the exact age when you need some kind of reading glasses to enlarge the print. And so I've been using them from that time until this time. But in, in that service, God did mighty miracles for Smith Wigglesworth. And when I was told the story, I said, you know, one day I'll meet him. One day I'll meet him. The gentleman that I was traveling with was Dr. Howard Carter of London, England, uh, who had a Bible college there with a the president of a Bible college that sent people all over the world to minister. It was a kind of a world a Bible training uh, institute. And he would tell me other things about this Smith Wigglesworth until finally I wanted to meet him more than anybody else. That There was an eagerness inside of me to hear and see Smith Wigglesworth. When we arrived in England after we'd been together all through Australia and all through the Orient and all through Europe, we came across Siberia and Russia and went through Europe. We finally got to England, and we got there the week before the national conference. And Dr. Howard Carter uh, was the uh, convener of the conference. He was the chairman of the conference. So he asked me to speak in the evening because I'm an evangelist. He asked Smith Wigglesworth to speak in the afternoon as he was a teacher. And, and so I was teamed up with him. The first week I was in England, I was teamed up with a man I wanted to meet. And, and uh, he, he wasn't easy, you know. He, he, he would sit like a statesman, even in, in church, just like this, listening intently to whoever was there speaking and so forth. And so uh, I arrived in the late afternoon, so he heard me first. So I preached that night and gave the altar call. Being a convention, there weren't many that got saved because most of the people were preachers and so forth. But I I gave an evangelistic sermon and gave the altar call. When I was through and turned around on the platform, there was Smith Wigglesworth looking at me. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, son, you need to come see me. Well, I'd been, you know, called into the principal's office when I was in school, and I knew what it meant to face the principal and work on a problem. And that's what it sounded like, that he needed to see me to correct me. And I said, yes, sir, when can I come? He said, anytime. He says, I live in Bradford. Here's my address and my telephone number. And says, you can come. I said, how often can I come? He said, you can come as often as you want to. Uh, These days, I'm at home. Now, I lived in England for two years, and within a week after that, I was on my way to Bradford. Now, anywhere you preached, you know, in the British Isles, you had to go through Bradford anyway. It was in the Midlands, right in the center, and so it was very convenient to, to buy a ticket to Bradford, and then to buy a ticket to east or west or north or wherever I wanted to go. It was so easy to do that, and, and so I went to see him. I found his house, and uh and, and, and I hit the, the, the doorbell, you know, the door locker n- knocker. They didn't have an electric doorbell. It's one of those ancient things that you uh, take a piece of metal and hit it against a piece of metal, you know, uh, a knocker. And so I knocked on that thing and then stood up and waited for him. Now, if you had seen me then, you, you would have laughed. Because by this time, uh, with the British people, I, I looked like them. And, and I talked like them somewhat. And I had on a bowler hat. If you don't know what a bowler hat is, it's a Charlie Chaplin hat, and and I had on, I had had on a a, a, a black jacket and and striped trousers, and and a, and, a, and a and a blue dark blue top coat that came just above my knees, and I had an umbrella on on one arm, and I had a newspaper on the other arm, and my briefcase in my hand, my Bible case. So there I stood, you know. And Smith Wiggles opened the door and glared at me. He didn't say, good morning. He didn't say, how do you do? He said, hoots under your arm. That means what is under your arm? I, this, this side was an umbrella on my arm, and the other side was the morning newspaper under my arm. I said, the morning newspaper, sir. He said, throw it away, throw it away. You can't come in here. You can't come in here. <coughs> And, and I said, yes, sir. So I took it and stuck it in the bushes and stood back up to see if there's something else, you know. And, and uh, he looked me over. He said, come in. So I came in. He took my coat. We went into his living room, which was the first room over to the right. And, and had a, he had a coal fire on, and it was very cozy. And uh, rather than asking me where I came from, where I was going, he said, I was just reading. <laughs> And he read a half an hour from the Bible. And then he said, let's pray. He knelt down and prayed for another half hour. But he laid hands on me and he prayed and said, God bless him. God bless him. I was really glad when he got through, you know. And he said, I want to read you some more. So he read the Bible for another half hour. And then he said, let's pray again. And so we, we got down and we, we prayed again. And I said, Lord, what did I get into here? What did I get into, you know? And, and so uh, about that time his beautiful daughter, Alice, that we were telling you about. Uh, she had prepared a beautiful uh, luncheon, and so she called us uh, to lunch. Yorkshire pudding and, and, and roast beef and, and that beautiful gravy that they put on it there. It, it was something, and, and, and peas that you pick up on the back of your fork rather than the front. And, and so we had a, a delicious lunch, and when he got through, uh, he just put his napkin on the table and said, uh, uh, come back again, and walked away. His daughter explained that he had gone to get some rest, and so I, I, I thought that was a signal to leave, and so I asked for my coat, and I left. Before I walked a block, I said, you know, I got something there. I, I'm different. I, I got something. I received a blessing. I received an anointing. Something good happened to me in that place. I said, I'll, I'll come back again. And so about 10 days later, I went back. Oh, yes, I, I, I had on my little, little dark blue uh, raincoat, and, and I had my umbrella uh, and my bowler hat. But I didn't have it in a newspaper. He, when he saw a newspaper, he said, I don't permit those lies into my house. He says, in my house there's only truth, and that's full of lies. Leave it outside. And so I just obeyed and, and did what he told me to do. And I went ten days later, and then I went again two weeks later, then I went again two weeks later. I continued to go to his house. I continued, listen to him read the Word, and listen to him pray, and hear him tell of the mighty miracles, the mighty miracles that God had done for him around the world. And my faith began to mount up, to mount up, you know, strong. My faith began to mount up in, in the presence of this man. We became good friends. When, when he had a convention, he would ask me to speak, to be a speaker in his personal convention and, and over in the city of Preston, and I, I accepted it. I was very delighted for that. We would meet in other conferences, and then I would go and see him. Now, in all the two years that we were having this fellowship, I, 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 never, I never met another visitor at his house. And not, not one time. So they weren't standing in a long line to get Smith Wigglesworth's faith. And there may be those that admire him today, but I didn't see you there uh, when, when I was there. And, and so uh, they weren't seeking after Smith Wigglesworth at that time. But I was an American and, and a young man, and I wanted what this older man had. He intrigued me. His bluntness intrigued me, and His depth of sweetness, you might say. It was like a well of water springing up, and it was so delicious until I would come and drink again and again and again. And so we had some very precious times of fellowship uh, with with Smith Wigglesworth. Two things I'd like to, to, to tell you about it. One is that I was in England when the war broke out uh, in 1939, living there. I had preached all over the continent. We, we, we knew what was coming. Everybody knew what was coming. And I preached in Germany uh, with, with, with Hitler's uh, Gestapo men in every meeting that I spoke in and so forth. And so uh, we were very conversant to Europe. It, it was, the, it was the, the cockpit of the world and about to explode. And it did explode in, in 39, And I was there, and Hitler's armies were, were, were moving out, and they went through Belgium and through Holland and into France. And the British government sent a special agent to my, to my room in London. I was living at the Bible school. And said, we will be next, and we will have to send you out of the country. This is now a war zone, and, and you are a visitor here. You'll have to leave. So, I was told by the British government that I would have to leave uh, England. And so, I had to go tell some friends, and one of them was, was Smith Wigglesworth. So, I, I went up t- to his home again, and now we were old friends. We had a lot to talk about. He had blessed me in so many ways. He had discussed the Word of God with me in, in, in so many wonderful sessions together uh, until I was always eager to get there, and he seemed Eager for me to come, because at that time I would be 25 or 26, and he would be maybe 85, you see. And, and that, that, is a, that is a difference. It's like an Abraham and an Isaac, you see. It's, it's like a Paul and a Timothy. And so I broke the news to him. I said to Brother Wigglesworth, I, I will not be seeing you now. I have to leave because of the war. And the government has told me they've given me so many days to get out of the country. And, and so I will be going back to America and on to other countries to preach the gospel. And so the fellowship, the fellowship with you has, has been very rare. Uh, only a person like Howard Carter or a person like Donald G. has, has blessed me equal to the blessing that I've received from you. And I humbly thank the Lord and thank you for giving me so much of your time and and letting me hear you talk to God in your prayers and hear you read the living Word of God and and how it comes alive within you. I am so grateful and I'm so thankful. And, And now I will have to leave.